Book Second, Chapter Sixteen of A Day of Fate by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Book Second, Chapter Sixteen. Richard. I came in to breakfast with Reuben, feeling that Dapple had been more of a gentleman than I had, for he had treated the maiden with gentleness and courtesy, while I had thought first of myself. She looked up at me as I entered so humbly and deprecatingly that I wished that I had bitten my tongue out rather than have spoken so harshly. Straightforward Reuben went to the girl, and holding out his hand, said, Emily, I want to ask thy forgiveness. I've been a bear toward thee. Thee's the bravest girl I ever saw. No country girl would have dared to do what thee did. I didn't need to have Richard lecture me and tell me that but I thought thee was kind of down on Richard, and I've a way of standing by my friends. With a face like a peony, she turned and took both of the boy's hands as she said warmly, Thank you, Reuben. I'd take a much greater risk to win your friendship, and if you'll give it to me, I'll be very proud of it. You are going to make a genuine man. Yes, Reuben, thee'll make a man, said his mother with a low laugh. Thee is as blind as a man already. I looked at her instantly, but she dropped her eyes demurely to her plate. I saw that Mr. Hearn was watching me, and so did not look at Miss Warren. Well, he said irritably, I don't like such escapades, and Emily, if anything of the kind happens again, I'll have to take you to a safer place. His face was flushed, but hers was very pale. It won't happen again, she said quietly without looking up. Richard, said Mr. Yocomb, as if glad to change the subject, I've got to drive across the country on some business. I will have to be gone all day. Would thee like to go with me? Certainly, I'll go with you to the ends of the earth. That would be too far away from mother. Thee always pulls me back very soon, doesn't thee? Well, I know thee comes, replied his wife. Don't tire Richard out. He isn't strong yet. Richard, said Mr. Yocomb, as we were driving up a long hill, I want to congratulate thee on thy course toward Emily Warren. Thee's a strong-minded, sensible man. I saw that thee was greatly taken with her at first, and no wonder. Besides, I couldn't help hearing what thee said when out of thy mind. Mother and I kept the children away then, and Dr. Bates had the wink from me to be discreet. But thee's been a sensible man since thee got up, and put the whole thing away from thee very bravely. Mr. Yocomb, I won't play the hypocrite with you. I love her better than my own soul. Thee does? he said, in strong surprise. Yes, and I ought to have gone away long ago, I fear. How could I see her as she appeared this morning and not almost worship her? The old gentleman gave a long low whistle. I guess mother meant me when she said men were blind. I was silent, not daring, of course, to say that I hoped she meant me, but what I had heard and seen that morning had done much to confirm my hope. Well, said the old gentleman, I can scarcely blame thee, since she is what she is, and I can't help saying, too, that I think thee would make her happier than that man can with all his money. I don't think he appreciates her. She will be only a part of his great possessions. Well, Mr. Yocomb, I've but these requests to make. Keep this to yourself, and don't interpose any obstacles to my going next Monday. Don't worry about me. I'll keep up. 
and a man who will have to work as I must won't have time to mope. I won't play the weak fool, for I'd rather have your respect and Mrs. Yocomb's than all Mr. Hearn's millions, and Miss Warren's respect is absolutely essential to me. Then, thee thinks that mother and, and Emily know? Who can hide anything from such women? They look through us as if we were glass. Mother's sermon meant more for thee than I thought. Yes, I felt as if it were preached for me. I hope I may be the better for it some day, but I've too big a fight on my hands now to do much else. You will now understand why I wish to get away so soon, and why I can't come back till I've gained a strength that is not bodily. I wouldn't like you to misunderstand me after your marvelous kindness, and so I'm frank. Besides, you're the kind of man that would thaw an icicle. Your nature is large and gentle, and I don't mind letting you know. Richard, we're getting very frank, and I'm going to be more so. I don't like the way Mr. Hearn sits and looks at Ada. Oh, you needn't worry about him, Mr. Hearn is respectability itself. But he's wonderfully fond of good things and pretty things. His great house on Fifth Avenue is full of them, and he looks at Miss Ada as he would at a fine oil painting. Thee speaks charitably of him under the circumstances. I ought to try to do him justice, since I hate him so cordially. Well, said the old gentleman, laughing, that's a new way of putting it. Thee's honest, Richard. If I wasn't, I'd have no business in your society. I'm worried about Emily, broke out my companion. She was a little thin and worn from her long session of work when she came to us lately but the first week she picked up daily, while thee was so sick she seemed more worried than anyone, and I had much ado to get her to eat enough to keep a bird alive, but it's been worst for the last two weeks. She has seemed much brighter lately for some reason, but the flesh just seems to drop off of her. She takes a wonderful hold of my feelings, and I can't help troubling about her. Mr. Yocomb, your words torture me, I cried. It is not my imagination, then. Can she love that man? Well, she has a queer way of showing it, but it is one of those things that an outsider can't meddle with. I was moody and silent the rest of the day, and Mr. Yocomb had the tact to leave me much to myself, but I was not under the necessity of acting my poor farce before him. The evening was quite well advanced when we reached the farmhouse, but Mrs. Yocomb had a royal supper for us and she said every one had insisted on waiting till we returned. Mr. Hearn had quite recovered his complacency, and I gathered from this fact that Miss Warren had been very devoted. Such was his usual aspect when everything was pleasing to him. But she who had added so much to his life had seemingly drained her own, for she looked so pale and thin that my heart ached. There were dark lines under her eyes, and she appeared exceedingly wearied as if the day had been one long effort. She can't love him, I thought. It's impossible. Confound him. He's the blindest man of us all. Oh, that I had her insight, that I might unravel this snarl at once, for it would kill me to see her looking like that much longer. What's the use of my going away? I've been away all day. She has had the light of his smiling countenance uninterruptedly, and see how worn she is. Can it be that my hateful words hurt her, and that she is grieving about me only? It's impossible. Unselfish regard for another could not go so far if her own heart was at rest. 
she is doing her best to laugh and talk and to seem cheerful but her acting now is poorer than mine ever was she is tired out she seems like a soldier who is fighting mechanically after spirit courage and strength are gone mr hearn informed mr yocomb that important business would require his presence in new york for a few days it's an enterprise that involves immense interest on both sides of the ocean and there's to be quite a gathering of capitalists your paper will be full of it before very long mr morton i'm always glad to hear of any grist for our mill i said mrs yocomb please excuse me i'm selfish enough to prefer the cool piazza but thee hasn't eaten anything oh yes i have and i made a huge dinner i replied carelessly and sauntered out and lighted a cigar instead of coming out on the piazza as i hoped miss warren bade mr hearn good-night in the hall and pleading fatigue went to her room she was down to see him off in the morning and at his request accompanied him to the depot i was reading on the piazza when she returned and i hastened to assist her from the rockaway miss warren i exclaimed in deep solicitude this long hot ride has been too much for you perhaps it has she replied briefly without meeting my eyes i'll go and rest she pleaded a headache and did not come down to dinner mrs yocomb returned from her room with a troubled face i had resolved that i would not seek to see her alone while mr hearn was away and so resumed my long rambles when i returned about supper-time she was sitting on the piazza watching adela and zillah playing with their dolls she did not look up as i took a seat on the steps not far away at last i began can i tell you that i am very sorry you have been ill to-day it wasn't dangerous as country people say she replied a little brusquely you look as if dapple might run over you now a kitten might run over me she replied briefly still keeping her eyes on the children by and by she asked why do you look at me so intently mr morton i beg your pardon that's not answering my question suppose i deny that i was looking at you you have not condescended to glance at me yet you had better not deny it well then to tell you the truth as i find i always must i was looking for some trace of mercy i was thinking whether i could venture to ask forgiveness for being more of a brute than dapple yesterday have your words troubled you very much they have indeed well they've troubled me too you think i'm heartless mr morton and she arose and went to her piano i followed her instantly won't you forgive me i asked i've repented oh nonsense mr morton you know as well as i do that i'm the one to ask forgiveness no i don't i said in a low passionate tone i fear you are grieving about what you can't help can't help she repeated flushing yes my being here makes you unhappy if i knew it i'd go to-night and do you think that out of sight would be out of mind she said with a strange smile great god i don't know what to think i know that i would do anything under heaven to make you look as you did the first night i saw you do i look so badly you look as if you might take wings and leave us at any moment then i wouldn't trouble you any more then my trouble would be without remedy marry mr hearn marry him to-morrow if you wish 
I assure you that if you will be honestly and truly happy, I won't mope a day. I'll become the jolliest old bachelor in New York. I'll do anything within the power of man to make you your old joyous self. Now at last she turned her large glorious eyes upon me, and their expression was sadness itself, but she only said quietly, I believe you, Mr. Morton. Then tell me, what can I do? Come to supper, and she rose and left me. I went to my old seat by the window, and the tumult in my heart was in wide contrast with the quiet summer evening. You are mistaken, Emily Warren, I thought. You have as much as said that I can do nothing for you. I'll break your chain. You shall not marry Gilbert Hearn if I have to protest in the very church and before the altar. You are mine by the best and divinest right, and with your truth as my ally I'll win you yet. From this hour I dedicate myself to your happiness. Heavens, how blind I've been! Come, Richard, said Mrs. Yocomb, putting her head within the door. Miss Warren sat at her place silent and apathetic. She had the aspect of one who had submitted to the inevitable, but would no longer pretend she liked it. Mr. Yocomb was regarding her furtively with a clouded brow, and Ada's glances were frequent and perplexed. I felt as if walking on air, and my heart was aglow with gladness. But I knew her far too well to show what was in my mind. My purpose now was to beguile the hours till I could show her what truth really required of her. With the utmost tact that I possessed, and with all the zest that hope confirmed inspired, I sought to diffuse a general cheerfulness, and I gradually drew her into the current of our talk. After supper I told them anecdotes of public characters and eminent people, for my calling gave me a great store of this kind of information. Ere she was aware the despondent girl was asking questions, and my answers piqued her interest still more. At last, quite late in the evening, Mr. Yocomb exclaimed, Look here, Richard, what right has thee to keep me out of my bed long after regular hours? I'm not a night editor. Good people, you must all go to bed. I'm master of this house. Now, don't say anything, mother, to take me down. Finding myself alone with Miss Warren a moment in the hall, I asked, Have I not done more than merely come to supper? She turned from me instantly and went swiftly up the stairway. But the apathetic, listless look was on her face when she came down in the morning, and she appeared as if passively yielding to a dreaded necessity. I resumed my old tactics, and almost in spite of herself, drew her into the genial family life. Mr. Yocomb seconded me with unflagging zeal and commendable tact, while Mrs. Yocomb surpassed us both. Ada seemed a little bewildered, as if there were something in the air which she could not understand. But we made the social sunshine of the house so natural and warm that she could not resist it. Reuben, I said after breakfast, Miss Warren is not well. A ride after Dapple is the best medicine I ever took. Take Miss Warren out for a swift short drive. Don't let her say no. You have the tact to do the thing in the right way. She did decline repeatedly, but he so persisted that she at last said, There, Reuben, I will go with you. I think thee might do that much for a friend, as thee calls me. When she returned there was a faint color in her cheeks. The rapid drive had done her good and I told her so as I helped her from the light wagon. Yes, Mr. Morton, it has, and I thank you for the drive very much. 
let me suggest that reuben is much too honest for a conspirator well he was a very willing one and i see by his face as he drives down to the barn that you have made him a happy one it doesn't take much to make him happy and would it take such an enormous amount to make you happy you are much too inclined to be personal to be an editor the world at large should hold your interest and she went to her room at the dinner-table the genial spell worked on she recognized it with a quiet smile but yielded to its kindly power at last she apparently formed the resolution to make the most of this one bright day and she became the life of the party emily said mrs yocomb as we rose from the table father proposes that we all go on a family picnic to silver pond and take our supper there it's only three miles away would thee feel strong enough to go mrs yocomb spoke with the utmost simplicity and innocence but the young girl laughed outright then fixed a penetrating glance on mr yocomb whose florid face became much more ruddy evidences of guilt clearly apparent she said and mr morton too looks very conscious the best laid schemes of mice and men you know the rest oh yes i'd go if i had to be carried when webs are spun so kindly flies ought to be caught what is the matter with you all cried ada miss ada if you'll find me a match for my cigar you'll make me happy i said hastily availing myself of the first line of retreat open is that all thee needs to make thee happy well one thing at a time miss ada if you please as the day grew cool reuben came around with the family rockaway mrs yocomb and ada had prepared a basket as large as their own generous natures i placed miss warren beside mrs yocomb on the back seat while i took my place by ada with zilla between us little adela and reuben had become good friends and she insisted on sitting between him and his father as we rolled along the quiet country roads chatting and laughing and occasionally singing a snatch of a song no one would have dreamed that any shadows rested on the party except those which slanted eastward from the trees which often hung far over our heads i took pains not to feign any forced gaiety nor had i occasion to for i was genuinely happy happier than i had ever been before nothing was assured save the absolute truth of the woman that i loved but with this ally i was confident i was impartial in my attentions to ada and zilla and so friendly to both that ada was as pleased and happy as the child we chafed our country neighbors whom we met and even chattered back at the barking squirrels that whisked before us along the fences mr yocomb seemed almost as much of a boy as reuben and for some reason miss warren always laughed most at his pleasantries mrs yocomb looked as placid and bright as silver pond as it at last glistened beneath us in the breathless sunny afternoon but like the clear surface fringed with shadows that sank far beneath the water there were traces of many thoughts in her large blue eyes there was a cow lying under the tree where we meant to spread our table i pointed her out to miss warren with humorous dismay shall we turn back i asked no she replied looking into my eyes gratefully you have become so brave that i'm not afraid to go on i ignored her reference to that which i intended she should forget for one day 
believing that if we could make her happy she would recognize how far her golden-haloed lover came short of this power so i said banteringly i'll wager you my hat that you dare not get out and drive that terrific beast away the idea of emily's being afraid of a cow after facing dapple cried reuben well we'll see i said stop the rockaway here what should i do with your hat mr morton wear it and suffer the penalty laughed ada you would surely win it retorted the girl a little nettled i'll wager you a box of candy then or anything you please let it be anything i please she agreed laughing mr morton you are not going to let me get out alone oh no and i sprang out to assist her down she wants you to be on hand in case the ferocious beast switches its tail cried ada the hand she gave me trembled as i helped her out and i saw that she regarded the placid creature with a dread that she could not disguise picking up a little stick she stepped cautiously and hesitatingly toward the animal while still ridiculously far away she stopped brandished her stick and said with a quaver in her threatening tone get up i tell you but the cow ruminated quietly as if understanding well that there was no occasion for alarm the girl took one or two more faltering steps and exclaimed in a voice of desperate entreaty oh please get up we could scarcely contain ourselves for laughter oh ye gods how beautiful she is i murmured with her arm over dapple's neck she was a goddess now she's a shrinking woman heaven grant that it may be my lot to protect her from the real perils of life the cow suddenly switched her tail at a teasing gadfly and the girl precipitately sought my side reuben sprang out of the rockaway and lay down and rolled in his uncontrollable mirth was there anything ever so ridiculous cried ada for to the country girl miss warren's fear was affectation at ada's words miss warren's face suddenly became white and resolute you at least shall not despise me she said to me in a low tone and shutting her eyes she made a blind rush toward the cow i had barely time to catch her or she would have thrown herself on the horns of the startled animal that with tail in air careered away among the trees the girl was so weak and faint that i had to support her but i could not forbear saying in a tone that she alone heard do we ever despise that which we love supremely hush she answered sternly mrs yocomb was soon at our side with a flask of currant wine and ada laughed a little bitterly as she said it was as good as a play miss warren recovered herself speedily by the aid of the generous wine and this was the only cloud on our simple festivity in her response to my ardent words she seemingly had satisfied her conscience and she acted like one bent on making the most of this one occasion of fleeting pleasure ada was the only one who mentioned the banker how mr hearn would have enjoyed being here with us she exclaimed miss warren's response was a sudden pallor and a remorseful expression but mr yocomb and i speedily created a diversion of thought i saw however that ada was watching her with a perplexed brow the hours quickly passed and in deepening shadows we returned homeward miss warren singing some sweet old ballads to which my heart kept time she seemed both to bring the evening to a close and sat down at the piano ada and i listened well content having put the children to bed mrs yocomb joined us 
and we chatted over the pleasant trip while waiting for Mr. Yocum and Reuben, who had not returned from the barn. At last Mrs. Yocum said heartily, as if summing it all up, Well, Richard, thee has given us a bright, merry afternoon. Yes, Richard, Miss Warren began, as if her heart had spoken unawares. I beg your pardon, Mr. Morton, and then she stopped in piteous confusion, for I had turned toward her with all my unspeakable love in my face. Ada's laugh rang out a little harshly. I hastened to the rescue of the embarrassed girl, saying, I don't see why you should beg my pardon. We're all friends here. At least I'm trying to be one as fast as a leopard can change his spots and the Ethiopian his skin. As for you, a tailor would say you were cut from the same cloth as Mrs. Yocum but for some reason she could not recover herself. She probably realized in the tumult of her feeling that she had revealed her heart too clearly, and she could not help seeing that Ada understood her. She was too confused for further pretense and too unnerved to attempt it. After a moment of pitiful hesitation she fled with a scarlet face to her room. Well, said Ada with a slight hysterical laugh, I understand Emily Warren now. Pardon me, Miss Ada, I don't think you do, I began. If thee doesn't, thee's blind indeed. I am blind. Be assured I'm not any longer, and with a deep angry flush she too left us. I turned to Mrs. Yocum, and taking both of her hands I entreated, As you have the heart of a woman, never let Emily Warren marry that man. Help me, help us both. My poor boy, she began, this is a serious matter. It is indeed, I said passionately. It's a question of life and death to us both. Well, she said thoughtfully, I think time and truth will be on thy side in the end, but I would advise thee not to do or say anything rash or hasty. She is very resolute. Give her time. Would to God I had taken her advice. End of Book Second Chapter 16